fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post-Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? This multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would be so grateful if you would subscribe to our podcast and take a moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and today we're going to be discussing The Stars Above Us by Maggie Gates. The first few minutes we're going to do a brief review of this story without any spoilers, then we're going to jump into a deeper book discussion, which is going to include lots of spoilers. As always, we're going to let you know before we do shift into that deeper book discussion. That's right. So before we jump in, Amy, go ahead and tell us a little bit of what The Stars Above Us is all about. This is a military romance about a woman who settles onto an army base as a war correspondent, finding herself surrounded by bullets, grenades, and a grumpy army captain with a chip on his shoulders. This story has pranks, brotherhood, and restoration. Sarah, what did you think about the stars above us? Okay, well first, I am a sucker for a military romance. Me too. I I gravitate towards them. A lot of times when I read them, they're more historical um, military romance. This is not historical, even though it's like 20 years ago, roughly, mm-hmm. but that's not historical because we lived through that. <laughs> so, um, no, I loved these characters. I was instantly hooked. Um, I was very intrigued by just anything that has to do with the military aspect of it and her being a correspondent, you know, it was just the storyline was so intriguing to me. I was, I was pulled right in from the beginning. What about you? Me too. I feel like military romances are the dark courses of reading for me because they always sneak up and surprise me with how much I love them. I forget about how much I love them until I read them. And I do. I love them. They're some of my favorite reads, but I don't read them a lot. They're always just heartfelt and emotional. This one is, of course, they always do the trick at pulling at my heartstrings. This one does that. So add in this grumpy male main character mm-hmm. and you folks have yourselves a smash on your hands. Yes. So I read this one in a day. It's fast moving. It's engaging. And it definitely pulls on all the emotions. Yeah. That's all a right. good one. Let's get into our ratings. Angst. Okay. Angst. So I probably could rate this higher, but I just wasn't, even with it being a military romance, you think it would be super high. Mine is only 1.5. Okay. I did not. I feel like that. I was higher than you. Okay. I just, maybe I should bump it up, but I didn't feel super you like. You weren't stressed? No, I wasn't stressed. Just a little I bit. I gave it three. Which is a little high probably for the story now that I'm thinking through things. But I gave it a three because it's a war story and there's definitely some high stress situations situations. that they go through um, that does cause more anxiety and high emotions. Yeah, I would agree with that. I could see that. I'm going to keep my rating where it's at, but (laughs) just because I didn't feel like... "Ah." No, I didn't have that like tightness in my stomach. But more it's like the circumstances they endure. Gotcha. All right, humor. Okay, humor. This was a two for me. We were close. Okay, what was yours? 1.75. Okay, yeah. It's not like overly over the top, but he, like she mentioned, there's some pranks. It's <laughs> super funny. And there's, I mean, the characters have some moments that they're, they're pretty, they, pretty they funny. They do. They get at each other. It's kind of laced throughout uh-huh. the the shenanigans and the camaraderie of the group. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. And that was part yeah. of the reason why I rated it what I did for human. Our, humor. All right, spiciness. Spicy. Uh... It's a three. 
I wanted to be higher. This thing was filled with tension. There's, <laughs> and yet her angst was low. There's so, I know. <laughs> I know. My ratings were very just all over the place this time. Um, yeah, no, it, it, there was a lot of tension in this. And then, you know. I did. You know. I did three and a half. We were very close. This was a slow burn. See, now I want to bump it to three oh, and a half. Stop. I started to rate it higher because I felt like it was like, woo. It's a slow burn, but yeah. there are several scenes that were descriptive. The mm-hmm. tension that you talked about and the chemistry of the two characters, mm-hmm. mm, so good. Yeah. So that lent to my rating. All right, tears. This should be higher, and I'm seeing that now. So, okay, I'm going to say 1.5. Okay. Too low? Uh, yeah. Too, okay. Maybe not for you. No. I'm just shocked oh, because... Oh, mine was like... I'm just shocked because we're usually... I know, I know. I did, I probably should rate it higher. I'll go 1.75, but that's my final. I'm not bumping it any higher. She's looking at me like, you need to race it. Our heart of stone is broken. Yes, the heart of stone is broken, you guys. Yeah. I gave four out of five. Wow. Yeah, so. Oh, I know why you did. I always expect military romances to be high on the tiers. This was no exception. Uh, I definitely cried multiple times. Did you really? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my heart of stone cracked just a smidge to let some tears out several wow. times. Yeah. I did not cry. Oh my gosh. I know. Mm. What's wrong with me? I don't know. Are you I feeling was... okay? <laughs> I was just happy when I was reading. I don't know. I was just happy. There, I, I, I will say I stand by your ratings because there are definitely some things and typically I rate the way you do. Because it's not, even if I don't cry, it's what they're enduring. I should probably rate it higher. I won't. I'm going to keep it where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> All right, overall. We'll dig more. Overall. Okay, overall, this was a 4.25 for me. It was just a solid story. It was so good. I was hooked from beginning. I loved it. I gave this one a five, folks. What? I gave it a five. Books that make me feel all types of emotions, as you know, are my favorite ones. They are going to um, get higher ratings for me. This was just a really beautiful military story. And the characters felt like friends, and I just loved it so much. <laughs> I'm just so proud that she cried, guys. We, we got her. It took a while. Yeah. I've had a few that have made me cry lately. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that concludes this spoiler-free quick review of this story. Now we're going to shift into our deeper book discussion, which is going to include lots of spoilers. So if you haven't read this story, stop what you're doing, go read it, and come back and continue on with our deeper discussion. And then we would love to hear your thoughts on the story. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, at post. Book Depression Podcast on Facebook in our Postbook Depression Discussion Group, and you can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. This story starts with Nathan Griffin, our male main character, and he is on the phone with Vanessa, his nine-year marriage from high school. And surprisingly, the story opens with her requesting a divorce. While he's at war, Sarah, let's talk about that. Okay, right out the gate, this this story just, I was, I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach because this is his high school sweetheart, you know? This is somebody he's been with since he was like 16, like you said, married for nine years. How do you do that? I can't, I cannot comprehend. Now, I will say, you know that I love a story where I can't relate to these characters, so I try to get into their mindset of why they do what they do. This is that story for me. I cannot relate to any of these characters <laughs> on any level. I really can't. 
So I really had to get in there what they were thinking in their mindset of why they do what they do. I'm not going to try to say I understand what it's like to go through a divorce. I don't. I'm not going to try to understand what it's like to be the spouse of somebody in the military that they're not home a lot, they're deployed a lot. I can't understand. But how do you ask someone when they are deployed in Afghanistan, (laughs) fighting a war for a divorce? Sarah, I can't wrap my mind around that either. Just, I mean, the whole mental capacity that he has to have while he's over there fighting a war and then he's got this heartbreak from home because it's clear that he, you know, he says he loves her and they've had this commitment for all of these years. And that scene was just, I mean, like you said, right out of the gate, we're crushed Mm -hmm. on his behalf that she would be asking for this divorce. And right away, we don't like Vanessa. Now, as a reader, we know it's setting us up for the war correspondent that's coming in. So there is no cheating or whatever. But, you know, it it does punch you in the gut. It does. And I just, I was not a fan of Vanessa. And I, I know that with that kind of thing, you know, divorce, it takes two, it takes two parties, there are circumstances. But with this, because it is a story, we know Nathan's going to yes. be our man. <laughs> we know we're going to be on his side. And when you get to know him and you get to know his character and stuff, it's said throughout, she did him dirty and she really did. I, I did like that the guys made comments, you know, about that when they do yeah. finally learn that he is going through a divorce or in, in when his divorce is final. They do, you know, stand up for him in that regard that Mm -hmm. she gave him a low blow. Wasn't that sad that he kind of kept that part of himself private? Like only one person knew. Like later on, somebody makes the comment and he doesn't even know that he's like divorced. Mm -hmm. Like he signed divorce papers because he's like, you know, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. He just kept that so close to his. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Especially just being over there and dealing with all that. I would need someone in my space. (laughs) Yeah. To share that with. I want to talk a little bit about Nathan and Deacon's friendship. He was the one that knew about the Mm -hmm. divorce. I love their friendship and their dynamic together. Let's talk about them. Oh, I love it when we have these buddies. It's just I these love the guys buddies. That, that they just get along so well. This was I, the camaraderie that I, you know, was yeah. talking about in the quick review. One of the things I love about a military story is when you have these bonds that between the soldiers, you mm-hmm. know, these people who are over, they're living through life circumstances that we cannot comprehend. We don't we don't know what they're walking through unless you've experienced it firsthand. So their relationship just takes that other level that of closeness, you know, and that trust because they have to trust them completely with their lives. And you see that trust that it kind of filters over into like their normal friendship. And I just feel like, don't you feel like their bonds are so much stronger? They're more than elevated. What we have? Yeah. They're in that forced proximity, yeah. you know, and they're working together to save each mm-hmm. other's lives. They've, it's almost like a bond in trauma. Yes. That's what I was going to say, like a trauma bond. Yes. Yeah. And it just is so much more heightened and elevated. I, I agree. With yeah. That. And one of the things I do feel like with that is because they have to have a perspective of what's important in life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're literally fighting a war. Like they have perspective (laughs) of what's worth having an argument about or what's worth having an issue with versus like the rest of us. (laughs) It's like, that's really not something to worry about. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, their friendship was just really, they had some history and I loved those two together. Shortly after the book kicks off, we learn of Rebecca and Charlie coming in, this war correspondent, and her cameraman that's coming to work with her film. 
we know that she's coming to cover this war, but she's also working on a documentary, which we'll get into in a little bit. And so <laughs> Griff, I don't know what we want to call him. If we want to call him Griff, if we call him Nathan or whatever, Captain Griff, yeah. <laughs> whatever, we'll call him all the things. Uh, Griff is none too thrilled that he's going to have to be on babysitting duty with Rebecca. And at the time, he was not realizing that it's going to be a woman. So I just found it especially delightful when they already, before they even meet, they're already, you know, sparring against each other. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Rebecca and Charlie's friendship. Charlie is her cameraman, and they have this really special working dynamic, and I love these two. I love these two together so much. I think that their bond works, one, because he's so much older than her. Mm -hmm. He's like a father figure to her. But they've been working together for so many years. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just have kind of this quiet understanding mm-hmm. with each other. I love those working relationships or those friendships where you don't even have to have a conversation and you're having a conversation. You yeah. know what the other one's thinking or what direction. And one of my favorite scenes is when they're at the dinner table. On the first day that they're there, Deacon invites them to come sit. And she talks about how Charlie is her wingman. Yeah. And he sets... Or, yeah, he sets her up for this introduction to the documentary. Let's talk about their friendship and their working dynamics. Oh, I love Rebecca and Charlie. I'm going to call her Bex because okay, she's yes. called Bex throughout. So I love Bex and Charlie. And like you said, he's kind of like this father figure to her. He's so protective of her. And they just get each other. It just, I, this duo, I instantly fell in love. When I me say this too. story had its hooks in me, it really did. And their relationship was a big part of that because they just had such respect for one another. And to go and do what they're doing, you have to have complete trust in the person that you're working alongside, you know, and, and they both recognize that this is a dangerous environment to be in. And yeah, I was just sold on them from the get go. I too. Yeah, they were the best. I love that he sets her up for this documentary conversation with Deacon and Griff. And it's interesting because this is where we first learn about her brother, Troy, who who died in the army. He was also in the army and he passed away. And she's ultimately writing this documentary to humanize the soldiers mm-hmm. and put that in front of people. She didn't learn the history of how he died. All of that information was withheld from her family. And so she's really struggling, you know, long after he's gone to make peace with that and amends and trying to work through her feelings. And by doing that, she has this documentary that she's using. Immediately when she's having this conversation, didn't you know, just by Deacon and Griff's reaction that, oh, I bet they knew Troy. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) it was kind of a dead giveaway, you could tell. And it was made mention that they were in Monsol and their whole, like, reaction, their their face and... Uh, yeah, it was a dead giveaway that they knew this guy, which really kind of made me sad because I kept thinking they clearly know what happened to him, but her family wasn't even made aware of how he passed away. And at this point, she's not made that known. She hasn't let Griff know that she doesn't know how he he died. Right. He knows, obviously, because he wasn't Mm -hmm. the one to tell like he was supposed to. But yeah, that that hasn't really been talked about between them. But it was obvious to the reader that that Deacon and Griff knew Troy. Mm-hmm. We didn't know in what capacity at this point, but you definitely were expecting. Mm-hmm. You could get a sense, like mm-hmm. a read on it, yeah. And it made me sad that they, with, like you said, they withheld that information about knowing. One of my absolute favorite things about this story were the pranks. 
Sarah, oh, I loved the pranks. We have the snakeskin. We have the sand in the sheets. Have you ever had sand in your sheets? Um, I mean, probably like as after the beach or something. Yeah, but oh. that, but like not a like lot. Bucket of sand, like, you know. The scorpion. My favorite Mm-mm. one was when he was gonna put the water cup. I know. And she wakes up and he's like, "Oh, we're just gonna sell these." Here. Can you imagine waking up and there's, there's like cups of water cups everywhere, everywhere, and no. the amount of time it would have taken him to do I that. I love that she pointed out about people needing water, and he was like, well, "Oh yeah, you know." It felt kind of like a harmless prank compared to the other ones I've done. I was just like, uh, not probably to the other people needing the water, but okay. I love it when a heavy story like this, when a military story or something with a heavy subject line sprinkles in these lighthearted moments for the reader because it really kind of breaks up that angst. It breaks up the tension and the heartbreak that you are sure is going to be coming ahead. So I loved the pranks. I imagine that it's probably very realistic because if you're... I mean, I don't know personally. I do have a lot of, I know a lot of people who have fought and are veterans and stuff, but I to, I would almost feel like you would have to, like mm-hmm. you'd have to have some pranks on oh, things for sure. or something for your sanity because yes. especially if you're like actively fighting, you know what I mean? So yeah, I imagine it to be a lot like emergency medical services and their dark humor. Yeah. <laughs> something it's, along those yeah. lines. <laughs> We've talked about... Bex and Charlie's relationship, but let's talk briefly about Griff and Charlie as roommates. What did you think about this dynamic duo having to roommate together? I thought it worked out good because Charlie is just so cool. Yeah. Like, he's just so chill and, like, Griff can immediately tell, like, he's going to be a good roommate. I was more concerned about them having that paper-thin wall. That's That's what I was concerned about. It was, like... Not so much that they had to room together, but that they were sharing a wall with Bex and that it was like you could hear everything. So um, (laughs) that's true. That was more my focus on it. One of the introductions for the reader to the actual war portion of this story is when Griff invites Charlie and Bex to join them on that first trek into the village to check on them. And lo and behold, there is an attack the first day that they're there. I want to talk about a couple of the attacks that that they experience. The first one is pretty mild in the sense that everybody makes it out safely. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I would specifically like to hone in on is the way Griff handles Bex in this very first attack in the village. And he's realizing that she's not like other people and that she doesn't need a, you did good out there. Mm-hmm. Are you doing okay? And what does he what does he do to get her out of her her funk? He has her like start making notes because that's what she does. She has her little notebook and her pen and and starts describing to her like, okay, this is what was going on. It gives her kind of a task to focus on of what she needs to, you know, she's here to do a job and he helps remind her of that in that moment kind of and... This is a good kickoff point for their relationship, kind of him observing her Mm -hmm. and recognizing that she's not like everyone else. And so that was kind of like a pivotal moment, in my opinion, of their relationship and how it kind of kicks off. The second attack is the one in the barracks. Mm -hmm. And this one obviously was more stressful. There's more damage. She's in the barracks. Everybody else is outside. There's a lot happening. Of course, Charlie has the video camera running. And what does he do? He runs to save her. He knows that she's in the barracks. Let's talk about that. 
Oh, that scene was so intense because she had been working so much and Charlie tells her to, you know, like take a nap and which is so like against her nature. Mm -hmm. She's not like that. They said that she'll go on two or three hours a night and till she can't and then she'll sleep. And so she was kind of doing that. That scene when Charlie's out there filming and then whatever, that explosion that Mm -hmm. kind of blows in her room and stuff. When Nathan goes and carries her out... I mean, well, were you expecting her, her to be under the rubble and, and unconscious? I didn't really know what I the scene was going to yeah. play. I didn't know if it was just going to be the wall was down. I didn't expect it to be as intense as what Same. it was. I didn't expect that she had crawled under her bed, that there was rubble, that she was going to be unconscious, that kind of thing. So for that to have occurred, it was kind of a shock. But that moment was so kind of a profound moment for them and their relationship with each other because they... You know, they they kind of have this sparring. They're always I like verbal sparring. sparring. <laughs> and we know the pranks are going on and stuff. But, I mean, they, you, they're so, this is where the tension, like they have really, really good tension. Yes, they do. And, but they are always verbally sparring with one another. And there's that shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pulls her out, but Charlie catches all of this on film. So the whole thing is like, you know, it's going to eventually get back and play out. Okay, so here's my question about that. Mm -hmm. Because I know that they said that the network owns all of the footage. Why couldn't they just delete it? Integrity? I guess. (laughs) I mean, that's what I would go with, integrity. Or they would think, you know, the network is going to um, edit out what they don't want or something like that. But I mean, wasn't it Charlie that says they're going to spin that? Yes, yeah, and, he warns her, and she does not warn him. He, She doesn't warn Griff. Yeah, and so, which I didn't, I mean, you know, I think she was trying to downplay it, thinking that they're not going to focus in on that. I just thought, why wouldn't they focus in on that, given who she is, given who he is, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I just I, wondered that on the yeah, side. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that works. I, I They have integrity, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop having, I need you to be morally gray, okay? Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Griff and Bex is their secret sandbag spot meetup. In all of the moments that they have together there, there's some really special bonding here. One of the first times that they discover each other out on that spot and he takes hold of her hand and tells her to sleep and that he's keeping watch. My heart just melted for him. I mean, swooned, of course, Mm -hmm. for him taking care of her and all of the conversations that they have thereafter. Yeah, that was a very special place. And I also love that that's where the title is tied in. Yes, I love that too. I'm always curious as how authors are going to tie in the title to the story and what is the reasoning behind it. And so now I'm like, I need to see these stars. (laughs) (laughs) This is also where he gives her the necklace for Christmas. Mm -hmm. She asks about his tattoos. There's a lot of like... mascara. Yes. (laughs) The mascara, Sarah. He does some really spoon-worthy things. He does, which I just thought it was so comical with the mascara of like wow she really does look like she's a blue. <laughs> it's like it, it, that moment though was so sweet because he her whole thing she's not superficial I need to be all done up but her mascara is like her armor she needs to wear into battle and yes. he wants her to have her armor into battles so the the whole thing that he says behind that you just kind of melt. You're like, oh my god, it's just you mascara. You kind but of melt. You definitely melt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more than mascara, which is so funny because later she's like, it's flaky, but I'll never get rid of it. <laughs> He's the cinnamon roll that they talk about I in this know. in the romances that we read. Their relationship is starting to develop and and kind of mold into something new. And Bex is assigned to go to Dubai. 
on business for 48 hours. They're going to basically after she's been discharged, they want to check her out, make sure everything is okay. And so she steps away for a few days. And one of my favorite things in this time while she is gone is the time that Charlie and Griff spend together. Now, up at, up until this point, we know that Charlie and his daughters don't have a relationship. No. And it's so sad how that has played out. And it's in this scene that we really start to learn more about that. Sarah, this is the scene that I cried when I listened to Charlie record record this scene for what he would say to his daughters if he called and they actually picked up the phone to talk about him. That was so emotional for me. And then I will say in this scene, one, I did not see the foreshadowing of his death here. You didn't? No. I knew that they would see the video, but I thought that it was going to... Um, Air like the yes. <laughs> explosion to her room being... Well, just, no, not necessarily that, but I knew it would air towards the end mm-hmm. and that they would see it, but I thought it would be a way for them to reconcile their relationship. Yeah. I really wanted that happily ever after for him and his daughters. And so that is where my headspace was when I read this scene. Nowhere in my mind did it even cross that he was going to lose his life because usually in the military it's the soldiers uh-huh and so she had me looking right while yeah. she was riding left and i did not i didn't catch on it. i have to tell you amy i caught it before then the did fact you? i did as soon as they kept referencing how much she meant to him mm-hmm. and like their closeness. only family yeah and then when they were going out and there was attacks and stuff i thought to myself mm, they're gonna kill charlie i think that's why i I struggled so much with his death is because I was not expecting it. Yeah, felt a little blindsided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel that. And it, it confirmed, for me, it was confirmed when he did the recording. Mm-hmm. Like when he specifically said, what would you want them? I thought, well, he, there goes Charlie. Mm-hmm. He's going to die. It The scene, it was so tragic. And that whole thing, I just, I felt agony. You know, like when he's describing how he feels and what he wants to say to his family and and then like later on when they say I think uh Bex asked him why he's never found somebody else and he says I still love her Mm -hmm. that whole thing just was so sad yeah because I just I loved Charlie but I also love too when we get the explanation that he kind of owns up to his fault he does you know because up until that like Charlie is just so golden I'm like (laughs) he's a great guy like why would his children not speak to him you know and so but this is where we you have to see it from other people's perspective Mm -hmm. when you're living it and you think of through the eyes of his children yeah it felt different it did the way that it's you know to an outsider and so that's what I love about that is because you kind of get that and I love trying to understand and seeing it from all sides even if I can't relate um because to me I'm like Charlie's the best and they're wrong yeah they're not wrong they were just hurt yeah and so yeah but his death was definitely that was a hard one to take the recordings with uh, with Griff I knew when I first of all I love that Charlie kind of put him at ease for that interview I just love that whole scene in that regard and just kind of that bond that they had Uh and I knew when he was talking about the cowboy yeah Um, soldier that he was talking about Troy the fact that he said his name in that moment I thought that was how she was going to find out that he knew about Troy yeah I did too so that was a nice little twist at the end I didn't see coming Mm -hmm. but I love 
Sarah that Charlie gave him an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. I hate that he didn't get to, you know, come clean beforehand, yeah. but then we wouldn't have a story. But even, I feel so dense because even with the 24-hour ultimatum and them going to war and that getting cut off, I did not see his death coming. <laughs> Amy. That's just, terrible. Even when he got shot, I'm like, no, he's not, he can't be dead. It's Charlie. When he, when <laughs> no. he asked him, have you told her yet? I'm like, Charlie's going to die before he has to tell her. Well, but you already knew he was going to die, it. so that, you did. had it That's all figured true. out. You're right. And she I had. Did. He also had the heart to heart with Bex when she comes back from Dubai. Basically, tell him he loves hard, and no matter what happens, just know that. Yeah. So I love that he kind of prepped her heart to receive that news, even though she didn't know he was talking about and Troy. You still didn't see. Friend, listen. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just too caught up in the story to think through all the spoilers and foreshadowing. Oh my goodness. (laughs) The final village run, as we know, is where Charlie Charlie ultimately gets shot. And then he does pass away. I love their little wake for him. I did as well. It was very heartbreaking, especially because when you see how his death impacts Bex and when she comes out. I love that they all have the Diet Coke and stuff. Oh, me too. Just kind of the toast that they make to him. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment, a beautiful send-off. But, man, that was his... He definitely, like, left a mark on her life and those that he had met there. Absolutely. Bex ultimately decides to stay on camp after this happens, and she is assigned a new cameraman. And, boy, is he sleazy. Oh, he is. What was his name? Vince? Vince, yeah. We don't like Vince. He was creepy he was gross i love though how griff puts him in his place immediately and i love how he made him and, switch rooms <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know oh my goodness that was they like ran the down best. there and switched all i know the stuff. yeah when he sends the guy when he sent deacon didn't yes, he, he had did. to change it so yeah that was funny and then it didn't even ask her which i knew she was going to be all like pouty about it you know at first like because she's just such an independent uh-huh. woman which i'm like girl you crazy i wouldn't be fighting that <laughs> but it ultimately forced Stop their- <laughs> fighting your feelings already. Jeez. It ultimately forced their relationship to progress further. This is yeah. when they start. I mean, if you do think of it from it. her perspective, I can understand. Number one, she wants to be respected. She doesn't want people thinking anything. She's trying to be professional, yes. which we, we know they crossed yes. the lines. And also, too... At some point, she makes mention of she could never sleep in Charlie's bed. Mm-hmm. There's only other one other bed in there. So she's literally forced yeah. to sleep in his bed with him. I mean, I'm, she's so such a hardship. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. <laughs> what a tragedy. Bless her heart. <laughs> one bed trope. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Not long after this... We get to the bonfire scene, and this is where things really start to escalate. Yeah. We get Captain McKinney here, and I was already nervous when yeah. he was coming. You yeah. knew he was yeah. going to spill the beans. And Immediately. He, I mean, he didn't even hardly take two feet off the helicopter, I, and he's spilling the beans. I was wondering how that was going to happen after Charlie had passed. I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, I knew that it was going to come back on him, you know, But I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. So as soon as they introduced McKinney, I thought, oh, there it is. There's going to be the little whistleblower. (laughs) He's going to tell her all the things. 
so yeah it basically she packs up she's gone the next morning she's like i don't even want to hear your explanation you had plenty of time to tell me about troy both deacon and griffin it's clear that all these people around her that she's grown to know and love so deeply have deceived her and that's really sad for her to be put in that position they should have obviously told her but she goes home and she shuts him out for eight weeks sarah eight weeks Mm -hmm. But he is persistent. I love that he's persistent like Charlie. And that he calls her literally every day. I was really afraid that he was not going to be persistent. I thought it was going to be one of those things because she's such a strong, independent woman that she's going to, you know, bend and come back. I love that he commits to the phone call that he said he was going to make from Bucky's to her. And yeah, just the, the fact that he kind of stuck with it. You know, he was persistent. I did not see that with him I have to say I felt like he was fighting for her the way he wanted to be able to fight for his marriage Mm -hmm. but wasn't being allowed to fight for his marriage yeah I agree and so he just kind of really tried to push through even though I know she wasn't receptive I want to pause have you ever been to Bucky's no they have them in Texas I know for sure okay Sarah this is like this is like a um gas station on steroids Okay. It's massive, okay. and it has literally everything that you could ever imagine. It has little, like, food places where you can get things. They're known for their Bucky's, like, the... he, he's a beaver. Okay. Bucky is a beaver, and they have, they're like these little caramel popcorn crispy That's things. what she eats. Yes. And okay. That's what they're known for, and they're so good. Oh, my okay. gosh. They're so good. You have to go to a Bucky's. Um, Next time you're never... in Texas, look one up, because... People are obsessed. People who have been to Bucky's, they are obsessed. If you Clearly. Know, if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I did not know. I wasn't even pronouncing it correctly <laughs> at first because I never heard of it. So, okay. All right, there's Bucky's. Back to back to them. Yeah, so I love that he is persistent with her like Charlie was and really tried to reach out to her and break that ice. Yeah. And in the end, he, you know, he's realizing, one, that he did not do their her parents right in right. Troy's passing. It was his responsibility to go to her parents and tell them what happened to Troy, and he did not do that. So I love that towards the end of this story, he wants to make it right. She doesn't know that he's doing this. In fact, she doesn't know till after it's done. And this scene where he shows up on her parents' door, can you imagine as Troy's parents this happening years after his passing? No, I can't imagine. And I I do have to say that I was so in awe of the parents' reaction and the mom when she's like, oh, sweetheart, you know, invites him in because I just, first of all, I can't even fathom what that feels like to have to go and deliver that kind of news Mm-mm. to and a family. And he got in his dress blues and all of that. And, and, yeah, I I. That would be so hard. And I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, he he totally messed up. And maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But until you're in that position where you have to do that, it, it's really not fair to make judgments on a person because you have no idea the weight of guilt that they may be carrying. You have no idea what they've witnessed. You mm-hmm. have no idea the trauma they've endured. So that's not fair. Now, with that being said, I understand he had a job to do. And he didn't do it. And I am curious as to why he didn't fulfill it and he was able to get away with not fulfilling that duty. But his parents' reaction, Troy, Troy's parents' reaction, 
and the way that they, you know, he was able to go in and then we find out that he was able to like tell them stories and have like a whole moment that the mom even acknowledges if he had come two years ago, they wouldn't have we wouldn't that. have gotten all of that. We That's wouldn't true. have got to see, to know that side of Troy and those stories that he was able to give us. So I feel like he was able to give them a gift. Yeah. I it thought all, that part was really special. Yeah, it was very special. And also, we wouldn't have a story between him and Bex because yeah. I, I think it's pretty unlikely that they would have any kind of romantic relationship had they, I mean, he had come to his parents' house and mm-hmm. stuff. You that's know, she, she would have been yeah. made aware of who he was. Yes, that's true. I agree. So tell me how you were thinking when she sat down to watch the documentary, the documentary that was put together. Oh, I really struggled with her character, Amy. Okay. I, I really did. I struggled with her character and her all of her choices because her personality and my, my her personality versus my personality are vastly different. So I wasn't reacting the way like every time she was like not picking up the phone, but she was listening. I was just in agony, like, would you just... Especially when he called her from Bucky's. Yeah, like, it just... The whole thing, I, I for me, it was kind of like, swallow your pride. Especially when she starts to realize she's very similar to him and that she can't even tell her parents. Yeah. And I, I did... I was thankful that that was written in. That she had an understanding of, if this is this hard for me to tell my parents, how much harder was it for him? Yeah. Because he was there. That's a good point. So, I was proud of that and that helps me kind of (laughs) understand her, which, you know, I like to do. I I try to understand these characters. So when she sat down for this documentary and the fact that she kept turning it off. Were you frustrated? uh, Highly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. I was highly frustrated, but I was also proud of her because she's not a quitter Mm -hmm. and she jumped in and was like, I'm going to finish it. So I was proud of her when she did. And I really like that she, after finishing it, she took a detour before going home. But she took a detour that. to take that oh, to Charlie's daughters. Yes. And, um, and that was where I got the relief that they got to hear what he had to say. Well, we can assume. Uh, well, yes. And yes. Yeah. In my happy bubble, they listened to it. I would like to think so. So, yeah, it was, I was really proud of her whenever she finished it and then decided she was going to go home. And I also like, too, that we did kind of get that insight because she was so driven that she realized her New York life no, no longer fit her. Mm-hmm. She just felt like she was going through the motions yeah. of things and not um, not connecting with who she used to be before she was. And he there. didn't have much longer in the service before he no. could, could move on yeah. to not being deployed. So let's shift over to their happily ever after. She oh, comes to apologize. So I loved when she showed up on his doorstep. I love when he's walking back from his brothers, which I want that story because you know me. <laughs> I just want all the family member stories. But uh, And then he kind of sees like the profile of somebody. And I, I love that the, it was just like instant. Uh-huh. Like, you know, her mom had called and and there was no like knowledge of like, on either side like he didn't tell her and she didn't know and yeah there was they're happily ever after him just made me happy all the warm happy. all the warm fuzzies it was for so me good i love yeah it. and i love too that you know they kind of work through because they do have a unique situation like how are we going to make this work and i loved that they learned i like that they have that. yeah i love that they had that real conversation about that mm-hmm. you know i love the story i gave it five out of five it's gonna stay with me for a long time it was such a good story so that. good well that wraps up our discussion on the stars above us thank you for joining us on this episode we hope you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us we would love to hear from you what were your favorite parts of the story 
Hit us up on Instagram at Postbook Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Postbook Depression Discussion Group. You can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading.